Again, let me extend my welcome to you. We're continuing our series in 1 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, please go to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at 1 to 11. There are uh, Bibles on the side. If you want one, or maybe you've got one on your phone. But just turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. We're continuing in this book. My name's Matt. My privilege to speak to you this morning. And, yeah, hi. Um, and uh, I really want to welcome you here. We're continuing this series. We've just finished 1 Corinthians 14. And we were looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how they are to be used in the church. Particularly, we looked at prophecy, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about tongues, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a language unlearned by the speaker in a meeting, is all, which is always to be interpreted in a meeting like this. But at home, personally, you can speak in tongues as much as you like, as Paul says about himself. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we've looked at prophecy, we've looked at tongues, and now we're moving on to another subject that Paul is dealing with with the Corinthians, which is to do with the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel message. Gospel means good news. What's the good news? What's the gospel message? Uh, he's encouraging them because it seems that some of them are shaky. Their faith is being shaken. Their, 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 their trust in the gospel is under attack, particularly the uh, teaching around the resurrection that it, it's up being under attack. And we will all be in this room here in different conditions. Some of you have no faith in the gospel. You don't even know what I mean by the gospel. And you're welcome. And hopefully today you'll come to understand it a bit more. Some of you think you understand the gospel, but you're just religious. And you need to come to understand the good news of Jesus and what he's done for you. Some of you are strong in the gospel. You understand it. You're living it. You're rejoicing in it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know that you were beggars. Now you're royalty. That song that we just sang. And some of you, your, t your faith will be being shaken. Being shaken. Or maybe you don't even notice it's being shaken. Maybe it's just passivity's crept in and boredom and... I go to church, I'm not really rejoicing in the gospel. Yeah, the gospel, yeah, I believe in the gospel, but it's not really that important to me. I think more about work, I think more about my relationships, I think more about my family, I think more about my interests, my hobbies, my, I think more about those things than I do the kingdom of God and the gospel. God wants to speak to all of us this morning and to bring the gospel, the message of the gospel as of first importance in our lives and to understand it, to stand on it, to hold firm to it. So let's read from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. I can't touch on all, everything in there. Again, the blogs this week will touch on some more detail around that. So now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. Say gospel. So what's he doing? Reminding you of the gospel. Reminding them of the gospel. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you which you received, on which 
you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. That's the warning, isn't it? Come on, hold firmly. If. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And I encourage you to memorize that. It's in a few words, isn't it? I encourage you to memorize it. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. And they, he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. I am the least of the apostles. Do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was at work in me, whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, this is what you believed. So you can see there, he's telling them, hold on, stand firm, stand on and hold firm to the gospel. Some of you are being shaken, don't fall away, hold on to it, hold on to the truth. He's reminding them of this, and that's what he's reminding us of this morning. As we come together this morning, God wants to reassure you and remind you and tell you again to hold firm to the gospel. You know, I need to be reminded to take a stand and hold firm. Take a stand, he says. You've taken your stand, rather, and hold firm. I need to be reminded of this, right? My thinking is assaulted. I have doubts, believe it or not. Do you ever have doubts? You, you must have doubts. We all have doubts, don't we? In fact, most of our beliefs contain some doubt, right? Your faith. So when I, I, earlier we talked about giving, didn't we? We talked about giving and trusting in God. How would we give if we really trusted God? Okay? What I'm trying to make the point is, we all have some doubt, don't we? God's not going to catch me, is he? And he's slowly sanctifying all of us. We, our faith is growing throughout our lives. Some of you have really strong faith. Some of your faith is weak. And we're all growing slowly. But I have doubts. I have times where I feel miserable, useless. Can God really be with me? The clock's changed. It's getting dark. You know, all the economic and political turmoil internationally, locally. And you sort of think, 
And, and you know, I've been doing this for some time. I've been leading church. I've been praying. I've been preaching. I've been doing this for a while. And there are lots of discouragements. I'm not seeing the revival I would like to see. I'm seeing lots of good stuff, don't get me wrong. And part of our danger is we must see what God is doing and not what he's not doing. But I have doubts. I have times where I have to hear again the gospel of God's love and re-again plant my feet on his love. I have to do that every day. And so do you. You need to plant your feet again on the gospel of Jesus Christ and his love every day so that you can go to work with the right attitude, so you can raise your children with the right attitude, so you can forgive, right? So you can pray, so you can deal with the issues, so you can work hard for people who you feel don't deserve you to work hard for them. How do we face life? We have to replant our feet on the gospel, all of us, all the time. And this is my message today. Take your stand, hold firmly to the gospel. Take your stand, say that. Take your stand. Hold firmly to the gospel. And it's, it's, to, it's saying the same things. Take your stand and hold firmly to the gospel. I want a volunteer to come up with a chair and a Bible. Eve, do you want to come up with a chair and a Bible? You've been volunteered. Have you got a Bible? There's a Bible on the side there. There you are. See? As if, as if we had it organized. Just imagine we'd signed a declaration. Now, if you fall over, it's not my fault. Sta- okay, I want you to I want you, so you stand on the chair, please, Eve. Take your stand. Oh, yeah, maybe you should go there. Take your stand, Eve. He's taken his stand, right? On the gospel. Hold firm. To the gospel, okay? You're holding firm to the gospel, aren't you? This is the, that represented by the Bible, okay? He's taken his stand on the gospel. He's holding firm to the gospel. And as I come and try and pull him away, right, he's going he's gonna to fight me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm your discouragements, okay? I'm false teaching. I'm the news. I'm the news. You know the news? Oh, you love the news, but you hate the news, don't you? Oh, I'm trying to pull you away. I'm those YouTube clips, that tell you to trust in other things than the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Take your stand. Hold firm to the gospel. Thank you, Eve. That's it. That's all there is to it, okay? He did nothing. He did nothing and he got a round of applause. That's how gracious this church is. Take your stand. Hold firmly to the gospel. I remember once we were... Uh, walking with Samuel, weren't we, Samuel? And um, was it Bateman's? Uh, that pl- yeah, Bateman's, which is Winston Churchill's, no, Roger Kipling even, one of their, his home, okay? And uh, I was some distance away, and I saw him walking along, and he just disappeared into a pond, <laughs> and his hat was just left there floating on the top. And it was only a few seconds, but it felt like a long time, right? He just disappeared. It was one of those ponds. It had, it, it had kind of walkways. You know, it was all neat and tidy, like square, uh, you know, had walk, um, paving stones around it. He disappeared under the water, and his hat was left floating. We brought him out again, obviously, uh, as, you, as, as he's here today. 
He failed to take his stand. (laughs) Tenuous, I know. But life is like that, okay? We're walking along, we're not paying attention, and we fall. And the most important thing of first importance is what? We just read it. What's the first importance? The gospel. What's the first importance? gospel. That's a path. It's a foundation. It's what you take your stand on. As you walk along in life, if you're not paying attention, you will fall by believing something else. You'll fall. And I'll explain what I mean by fall. But at worst, it's no longer believing the gospel. At worst, isn't it? But it can be lots of things. It can be discouragement, deflation, condemnation, all those kind of things are a a kind of fall, aren't they? Take your stand. Hold firmly. Pay attention. Jesus told a great story about this, didn't he? About the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. The man who built his house on the rock, the house stood when the wind, the rain and the storms came. The man who built his house on the sand When the wind, rain, storms came, it collapsed with a great collapse. And Jesus goes on to say that the the rock is his teaching. It's broader than the gospel, but it's at least this, isn't it? Of first importance. Build your life on the gospel, then you won't collapse. You won't collapse. And also, more importantly, really, and this is really what Jesus is getting at, you won't be condemned to hell. Because that is what the great calamity is. Those who don't build their life on Jesus, his teaching, particularly the gospel, that he gave his life for you, so you're saved. If you don't put your faith in Christ, the final judgment which is coming, which stands for the storm, your house will collapse and you will spend eternity separated from God. That's Jesus' words. And Paul, that's why Paul is so uh, urging the Corinthians to hold firm to the gospel, to stand, keep standing on the gospel. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of this gospel. Just repeat some of the things I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Take a stand, maybe for the first time. Hold firmly. Take hold of this gospel today. As we go along today, may the Holy Spirit open your heart and your spiritual understanding to see that this very simple message that Jesus has died for you to save you, may you, if you're not a believer today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. And if that's something you, you want to do, speak to me at the end. Put your faith in Christ for the first time. Take your stand. And I'll explain a bit more about the gospel as we go along. Perhaps you want to put your belief in Christ today. But it's also ongoingly, isn't it? 
Hold firmly. This is, this is spoken to Christians. Hold firmly. Take your stand. There is a danger of falling away. I'm not going to get into the theology of whether you can lose your salvation or not. You cannot lose your salvation. But that's, we should not nullify the message here by bringing our theology in and say, oh good, yes, I'm... The question is, are you standing on the gospel or not? Not did you believe a hundred years ago. Not did you believe last week. Are you standing on the gospel now? Is it an active faith? Are you believing in Jesus Christ? We can have no confidence of salvation whatsoever unless you are believing actively on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a danger for all of us. Jesus tells many parables about this. So, for example, the parable of the soils. There is good soil and there's bad soil. The good soil receives the message of the gospel, of the kingdom, receives it into their lives, seriously, pays attention, doesn't fall into the pond. But there are others who allow thorns, worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, in other words, greed and ambition and career and, and all the distractions that come our way to choke out the seed. Jesus tells that, that, that parable to warn, to warn believers that you, and I, and I speak to young people here today, young people, if you're believing in the gospel now, there are many challenges coming your way as you walk through life to choke out that seed. Maybe some of you will go off to university There'll be many challenges, many temptations, many arguments. All of the, most of the people you meet will tell you that Jesus did not die for you and did not rise again. They will tell you that. They will tell you a false gospel. They will tell you that, gos- that this is for all of us, isn't it? They will tell you the gospel of career. They will tell you the gospel of looking beautiful. This is how you're to live. The gospel of uh, drugs, alcohol. This is how to live. This is how to have life to the full. There's, all of us are assaulted with many gospels. We must hold firmly to this gospel. And we, we, we are being warned today, every one of us, including me. You know, not just because I'm a, I'm a Christian leader. I know Christian leaders who've fallen away from God. And sure you do as well. None of us are immune to the assaults of the enemy. And that's why Paul says, put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Take the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the, the belt of truth buckled round your waist. Stand firm against the assaults of the enemy because the enemy would love nothing better than for you to believe a false gospel, false religion, and move away from Jesus Christ. So what is the gospel message? I, 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 I've, we read it. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins. So that's the first bit, isn't it? Christ died for our sins. Say, Christ died for our sins. Say, Christ died for my sins. Isn't that amazing? He died for my sins. Why can there be joy in the house of the Lord? Because he died for my sins. That's why there's joy in the house of the Lord. He died for my sins.
according to the scriptures, in other words, according to the promise of the Old Testament. He was buried, so that he was buried. And he was raised on the third day, so he was raised. So there's those those two ideas, really. Christ died for sins and was raised. Okay? That's that's the two ideas. The buried bit is basically an historical account of what actually happened. But also burial is making the point that he was dead. Christ died for sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day according to the promises of Scripture. This gospel is received. This is God's message. This is God's message from his word. This is God's message to us. This is God's plan. I'm sure you can come up with another way. You can make up your own religion if you like. Many people do. You can make, make up something about how you might, uh, who God is and how you might know God, he, she, it. I'm sure you can make up some stuff. You can put up some YouTube clips. You can get a lot of following, actually, on YouTube if you, if you make up your own little religion about some psychological ideas and some spirituality and some nonsense taken from here, there, and everywhere. This is the gospel of the Word of God from the Bible. And we receive it as Christians. This is our, our first importance message. It's received. The gospel is of first importance It's of first importance. It should be of first importance to us. It should be the message that we are living with every day, the message that we're rejoicing in, the message that we're singing about every day. This is the message, isn't it? Why is it of first importance? It's of first importance because it saves us, as I've just said. It's of first importance because it unites us as a church. Why are we joined together? Because we're all the family of God. How? Through the gospel. Through Jesus, we're united together. We can now forgive as we've been forgiven and so on. It's of first importance because it protects us from anxiety and from spiritual attack and from a sense of condemnation. Christ, it says here, Jesus is our substitute. And that word here, substitute, Christ died for us, for our sins. Substitution. Maybe in football you understand the idea of substitution. Maybe there are some other areas of life where you talk about substitution. An ambassador, for example, is a bit like a substitute, right? The ambassador represents the ruler, rulers of a nation. They're in substitute for that person, representing them. A substitute, someone in your place. Jesus is your substitute. He died the death you deserved. The wages of sin is death. He died the sin you deserved. He's your substitute. He took the condemnation from God, who is a judge. God judged him in your place. That's what it means by substitution. That means you never need to pay for your own sin if you receive Jesus as your substitute because he's paid it all. You will never face condemnation, will you? Because your sin has been paid for. How much of your sin has been paid for? How much? All of it. That feeds into the answer as to how you can not lose your salvation. He's paid for all your sins. Those who have faith in Christ 
all your sins are paid for, past, present, and future. That means you will never face condemnation. And no matter how bad you feel or depressed you feel, you are not alienated from God because Jesus has paid for your sin. That's the good news. Jesus is our substitute for our sins. Our sins are offenses against God. What we've done against his will. What we've done that's against his will. And what we haven't done, that is his will. Sins of omission and sins of commission. We've done things we shouldn't and we've not done things we should. And it tends to be we've done... It's more of the sins of omission that we should really worry more about. We have no way done enough. We've all done some bad things, but I can tell you this now, you've no way near done enough. You've not, you've not kept God's word. You've, none of us have. And Jesus has died for sins as our substitute. Romans 3. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, justified, just as if you'd never sinned, justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All of us have sinned. He died for us on our behalf as our substitute. In C.J. Mahaney in his book, Living in the Cross-Centered Life, tells us this story. In World War II, Ernest Gordon was a British captive in a Japanese prisoner of war camp in the River Kwai in Burma, where the POWs were forced to build a railroad of death, it was called, for transporting Japanese troops to the battlefront. They were tortured, starved, worked to the point of exhaustion. Nearly 16,000 died building this railroad or railway. Gordon survived the horrors of that experience and wrote about it in his monumental work Through the Valley of the River Kwai, published in 1962. Later made into the movie To End All Wars. He describes one occasion when, at the end of a workday, the tools were being counted before the prisoners returned to their quarters. A guard declared a shovel was missing. He began to rant and rave, demanding to know which prisoner had stolen it. Working himself into a paranoid fury, he ordered whoever was guilty to step forward and take his punishment. No one did. All die. The guard shrieked, all die. He cocked his rifle, aimed it at the prisoners, and then, at that moment, one man stepped forward. Standing at attention, he calmly declared, I did it. The Japanese guard at once clubbed the prisoner to death. As his friends carried away the, his lifeless body, the shovels in the tool shed were recounted only to reveal that there was no missing shovel. This is a picture of the gospel, the substitutionary death of Christ. He died. This is of first importance. Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He was raised on the third day. We'll be touching on that more over the next few weeks. He was raised 
on the third day. Jesus is alive. This one who gave his life for you and for me is alive. This loving saviour, this one who steps forward, this guiltless one who steps out, comes from heaven. This, 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 this guiltless king of kings is alive and you can pray, talk to him, know him and walk with him every day. That's the wonder of the gospel. I'm going to just talk, talk through an illustration just it's going to come up behind me. So it's well known to some of you. There we are. Christ died for sins. We have a problem. The problem is our sin. What we haven't done and what we have done against God. And the situation, this is obviously very simplified. Mankind is separated from God. We're in death. How do we get to life? This is the context of, that we live in, of sin and suffering, of death, of the world that we live in. Much, much good, but we know much suffering, much pain, much unbelief, separation from God, distant from God, all of us objects of the wrath of God under his judgment as a perfect judge. This is our condition. This was Paul's condition. This is why he reveled in the gospel. This was... And then, this is the solution, isn't it, very simply. God, the Son. God came into the world. God, Jesus is God and man, coming into the world to die on the cross. He died for us. taking our sin upon himself so that we can respond by crossing over to know God in this life and for eternity. That's repentance and faith. That crossing over is taking your stand. That crossing over is receiving the gospel. Take your stand. That's where you need to stand now in this life. This is where you need to know where you are now. You are on this side of the chasm. This is, this is you. This is where you are now. No matter how you feel, you're not there. You're not that side. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Can I talk to God? Yes, because I'm here. I'm in the kingdom of God now. I can speak to God. I can pray for my needs. I can pray for those I'm worried about. Take your stand on this side. Take your stand, hold firm to the gospel. As I bring things to a close, here's a couple of, just a couple of points just to end with. He says here, and he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, after he was raised. Now this is just historical, he's making historical points here. But I also want to say to you this, the Peter's in the room, right? Peter had denied Christ. Peter had said he didn't know Jesus. Peter hadn't taken his stand. Peter 
had fallen off the chair. Peter had fallen in the pond. Peter hadn't held up his shield of faith. Peter, Peter had failed. And he comes to Peter at his lowest point. And maybe this is you today. He comes to you and he says, I forgive you. I forgive you. Peter looked across the courtyard as Jesus was suffering. He looked across the courtyard and caught Jesus' eye and it says that he wept bitterly. Have you denied Christ in your heart or your life? You, you sh we should feel the shame of that. We should feel the weight of that. We should feel that. That is sin. It's serious sin. But I also want to see across the courtyard, he's looking at you and calling you back to faith and to forgiveness. And he says, feed my lambs. He calls you back to serving him and his church. He says he appears to the twelve, or the twelve had denied him. They'd all scattered. He appears to them over a, four, a period of 40 days. Maybe you're in a place of fear. Maybe you're trusting, maybe the war in Ukraine and the the, 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 the political mess and the kind of economic issues and all of the mudslinging that goes around everywhere has just kind of infected your heart and mind so you're fearful. Take your stand on the gospel which means you can trust in God. Finally, he comes to Peter, sorry, to Paul. He's the hateful one. Abnormally born, it says here. He appeared to me, a persecutor of the church. Jesus appeared to him, forgave even Peter, Paul. Paul, the murderer, the destroyer. How bad is your sin? Maybe your secret sin that no one knows about. Paul is an example, isn't he? Of the worst offenders being restored. And not only restored, put into leadership. In this world of unforgiveness, where the slightest tweet renders you useless for life. May we be a gracious, loving, forgiving community. And may you be that to yourself as well. Jesus restores the worst of sinners. Take your stand, my friends. Hold firm to the gospel. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of people. Let's stand together. We're going to worship now. Refocus on Jesus Christ.